to sing and to worship. And I don't even like to use the word sing. It's really we're worshiping. We have the gospel put to music, the gospel put to song. And there's a certain way of touching our hearts. I don't know if that's you, but music, worship of the Lord, this is one of the ways God gets my attention. Open up to Romans chapter 12. As I continue on living sacrifices, part two, I'm going to do a little reading today. Got to make a couple of points. But living sacrifices. This is who we are as Christians today. We are living out everything God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Very important. Let's read chapter 12 first, and I will read all 13 verses. And then we're going to take a little walk through the book of Romans like we did last week, two weeks ago. How many people want to be a living sacrifice for the Lord? Does that sound like something that's maybe a little too difficult? How about this? It's impossible. It's impossible. Without Christ. Without what God has already done for us. If you try to take this on your own, you will fail miserably. Alright, so we're going to start in verse 1, chapter 12. The apostle says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Let's listen. This is what it means to be a living sacrifice. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. So we, though are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, to the one who leads with zeal, to one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, living sacrifices, let love be genuine. All but what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Living sacrifices, love one another with a brotherly affection. Living sacrifices, outdo one another in showing honor. Living sacrifices, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Living sacrifices, rejoice in hope. Living sacrifices are patient in tribulation. Living sacrifices are constant in prayer. Living sacrifices contribute to the needs of the saints. Living sacrifices seek to show hospitality. Living sacrifices bless those who persecute you. Living sacrifices bless and they do not curse them. Living sacrifices rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. Living sacrifices live in harmony with other people. Living sacrifices do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Living sacrifices never be wise in your own sight. Living sacrifices repay no one evil for evil, but give, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. 
living sacrifices, if possible, so far as it depends on you, living sacrifice, live peaceably with all. Living sacrifices, beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Living sacrifices, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, living sacrifice, you feed him. If he's thirsty, living sacrifice, give him something to drink. You know why living sacrifice? For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head, meaning he might be led to salvation. Living sacrifices are never overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Can you fulfill that under your own strength? You probably didn't get it past, let love be genuine. (laughs) Before you really, we fall down real quick. Let me explain something to you about the Bible and what Christ has done for us. The first 11 chapters, which we went over a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to go over a little bit today, is like a giant slingshot. Each chapter gets pulled back more and more and more until we get to the 12th chapter. And then Paul puts us all into this giant slingshot made by the mercies of God. He says, now go. I filled your heart with love. Go now. Look what I have done for you. Let it be the wind in your sails. Let it be the power in your heart. Go now and become living sacrifices. This is the quintessential expression of cause and the cause is everything Christ has done for us in the first 11 chapters. The effect is that we slowly, but we should surely become a living sacrifice that actually fulfills chapter 12. Let me tell you something. It's a journey that you would never, ever want to mess up on. It is life itself. Being a living sacrifice for God. Where God is watching everything we do. It's not about a religious protocol. It's not about religious activities. It's how we live in our heart, in our mind, towards every other human being in the entire human race. Everything in chapter 12 was all interpersonal. Didn't say go to church. Didn't say give money. Didn't say do this. It's how we treat one another. Even our enemies. Is a living sacrifice. Now, when you are a living sacrifice, please, if you're looking for applause, you're going to fail miserably. There's no one around clapping and applauding to give you accolades of how wonderful you are. And if you're receiving it, get out of the way. God's not fond of that. A living sacrifice is someone who doesn't even know what his left hand knows what his right hand is doing. He's not looking for praise, not looking for thanksgiving, not looking to be acknowledged. All they want to do is live for God and touch other lives. And it makes no difference who sees it. God sees it. And God sees everything we do for him. And that's how he gets glory. And that's a living sacrifice. The true sacrifice is Jesus Christ at Calvary, the cross. And it's because of what he's done for us. The true and living sacrifice that died for the ungodly. That we may live. He was rich, he became poor, that for our sake we can become rich now. We'll become rich with the Holy Spirit, with the hope of heaven, eternal life, the forgiveness of our sins. This is what it means to be a living sacrifice. 
This is a new frontier. I only read chapter 12, but this week, maybe if you have time, read the first 11 chapters and look for all the promises. I'm going to go through it a little bit, but look at the promises. Look what Christ has done for you. The first 11 chapters of this book of 16 chapters is everything Christ has done. We are basically passive in all 11 chapters. And the first thing Paul calls us to do is be a living sacrifice. This is true Christianity. God's not concerned about who's going to church. He could care less. He's concerned about who's a living sacrifice. Because when you're a living sacrifice, church will be part of your life. And going outside and bringing the message will be part of your life. God's work on our behalf, the first 11 chapters, causes a spontaneous combustion from within in us. I can remember sitting in the gym one day after being a Christian. I was still a young Christian, maybe a year old, maybe two years. I was doing behind the neck press. Back then we had the Walkman. Remember those things? It was like this big. It was on the side. And I'm listening to a CD. It was skipping, but I was praising God with some worship music. And I just said to myself, you know what? And I was filled with happiness and joy. And I said, God, I never said, like, I just want to live for you. And it was, a, it was an aha moment as a Christian. And I said, God, I just want to live for you. That's it. That's it. And I remember, that was like a, a spontaneous combustion. I was just so filled with gratitude for what Jesus has done for me that I just said, God, take me. Prayerfully, many others have had similar experiences or maybe there's still more to come for all of us. Let's, let's hope and believe there's more to come for all of us. But before I move on, I have to explain for the sake of the younger Christian and for those who are coming to Jesus for, uh, personally for the first time, that the Bible books we read over here are not some kind of random religious sayings haphazardly put together, just thrown together. The Bible is a very logical book. The logical eternal truths that have been lived out in real life situations. Paul is writing to a real life situation. It's a church similar to us. And he's teaching Christians you get along with each other, whether you come from a Jewish background or Greek background, whether you were barbarian, whether you were educated, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're a slave, whether you're a master, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're old, whether you're young, you come together and you bring unity out of diversity. This is what it means. This is a real life situation the Apostle Paul is writing to. And it's written with a cohesive structure that makes spiritual sense. We can see it, we can analyze it, we can, we can study it, we can, we can teach it. And it gives a Christian a world view. Have you ever heard that? A world view? As Christians, we take a biblical world view. And this is why, don't miss that, please say it to yourself, a biblical world view. Because that's what gives you the strength to live it out and be a living sacrifice. We don't look at life the way we used to. The prism, the lens we look at life now is everything Jesus Christ has personally did for us. That's why we can become a living sacrifice. If you're looking for yourself, you're missing it. But if you're looking to what Christ has done, that's why Paul says, by the mercies of God, I urge you. The only leverage I have, or even Paul had the apostle, 
to get someone to live for God is to constantly remind God's children of what God has done for them. Let me say it again. The only thing you'll ever hear from Pastor John or myself or anybody that ever preaches or teaches out of this pulpit is to live for God. We remind you and we urge you to be a living sacrifice because of what Christ has done for you. Every time I get into this book and I'm preparing a lesson and John does the same thing, understand something. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt your life needs this text. As a matter of fact, you will never be a, a full human being or a Christian without the truths that are in this text. When I come out here, I come out with medication in my hand to bring to you and to bring to myself how to live life. I know that you and I cannot live life without this text. It's impossible. No matter what century we live in, past, present, or future, the Bible trains us for a life that's pleasing to God. And that's what our text is about. The big picture is a life that pleases God. But until you become a Christian, you have no idea what it means to please God at all. A life that pleases God can only come from a God who is pleased to reveal himself to us. And reveal his will to us. Through the scriptures. So to answer answer the question our text brings to us. Our minds need to be what? Transformed. So we read our text. Can we put that up there Jackie? Verses 1 and 2. Okay. I appeal to you therefore brothers. By the mercies of God. To present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by testing the discern what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So how do we please God? We please God by living this out. Our mind is transformed. That means we take on a biblical world view. We look at life the way God has designed it. Not even by what we want. There's a lot of wants in this room. I can look around, I'll tell you, if there's 50 people in this room, there's probably 50 different ones. We want God to do this, we want God to do that, we would like God to do this. But what really counts is what God wants. That's what counts. We're not here to tell God what we want. We're here to find out what God wants. We want to please God. So to answer that question, our minds need to be transformed by the word of God. We need God's worldview. And not conform, our text says, do not be conformed to the world. And understand something. That means we don't think about life, family, morality, sex, gender, anything by what the world says. I get all my information about who I am, about what life is, what pleases God, not from the... Not from man, not from the world, not from religious institutions. I get it only from the word of God. Period. The last thing you want to hear is Brian Martin's opinion. You want my opinion. You don't want what I think. You want me to come in here and do what I'm supposed to do. Open up the scriptures so you can see how great God is. And that's the mercies of God. And that's what Paul is doing. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now let me explain something about the first 11 chapters of Romans. If you were going on a hiking expedition, and I think of Brother Patty in the back, he likes to hike, he goes all over the world and he hikes, and 
He comes back, he shows me pictures and stories, and, and, and I think about how ma- marvelous that is. But it takes a lot of preparation time. If you're going to enjoy a hiking trip in the Colorado Rockies by yourself for 10 days, and maybe with a guide, you better be prepared physically. You better do your homework. You better do your due diligence. Otherwise, you will not enjoy it. Chances are you will get hurt. So understand something. The first 11 chapters of reading in the book of Romans prepares us to live this great expedition of a living sacrifice. There's nothing grander or greater than living to please God. Please. I tell everybody this. When I'm speaking to non-believers, and, they, and I'm talking to them about Christianity, this is what I always say. Show me something better than Jesus Christ. Show me. I'm all this. What are you going to give me? What's going to turn a bad man to a good man? What's going to turn a sinner to a saint? What's going to give me forgiveness? What's going to give me hope? What's going to give me peace? What's going to give me a moral fortitude to live a moral, clean life for God? What's going to do that? Philosophy? Religion? No, you have to show me something better. You know what the answer is always? There is not. That's the good news. If I want to enjoy this life, if I want to be a living sacrifice, I have to plummet the word of God and find my strength. All these in verse chapter 12 are relational. Living sacrifices are not consumed with empty religious protocol and religious church activities, but we are living the way God desires us to live every day in everyday life situations. In all our interpersonal relationships, all our business dealings, all our family dealings, wherever I am, wherever I go, so much so that God even teaches me the right relationship with someone who doesn't like me. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Even when life hurts, God teaches me how to become a living sacrifice in this one chapter. It starts with therefore. If we can put that up there. Verse 1, please. I appeal to you therefore. Therefore. Two weeks ago, I gave you every therefore. I'm going to go over a little bit. Therefore points to the first 11 chapters of all the promises and all the work that Jesus Christ did for us while we were still yet sinners, while we were still his enemies, when we weren't even looking for God, when we were out there living for self, living selfishly, not caring about other people, not becoming a living sacrifice. We need to love God or need we love our neighbor as ourselves. It was at that time when we were lost in sin that Jesus Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He took it upon himself to die for us anyway. This is the world view. This is our personal approach to life now. My personal approach is not what I want or what I think. It's everything that God has done for me. Period. This is the greatest event in our life. And now this saving event, it doesn't stop you. But it drives us forward, ever forward, ever forward. And for many of us, a new frontier. You know what the new frontier is for many people? How to love your neighbor as yourself. 
It's amazing how I talk to Christians after many, many years and they're still holding resentments, they're still holding pain, they're still holding hurts, and they're still holding on to the past, and they're, and they're beating people up with it like it's weapons of mass destruction. You don't know what they did to me, Pastor. I'm like, oh, whoa, oh, oh, easy. Man, that, that's, that's too heavy. That's too heavy. There's a greater therefore in your life now. I know there's a lot of pain in this room. A lot of things have been done to us. And every negative reaction also has a reaction. There's a new purpose for living in your life. It's not the old aches and pains. It's not what life has done to you. It's not what someone has done for you. It's what Christ has done for you. It's the new therefore in your life. Let me give an example. Many people have suffered aches and pains of growing up. And it changes their whole personality. Abuse, being molested, growing up in a fatherless home, growing up in a loveless home, growing up in a dysfunctional home, and that's a therefore. Because of that, many personalities are shaped and formed in a very negative approach to life. Amen? Does that make sense? That was their therefore. By the time they get out of high school, they got so much therefore. Therefore, because I was loved. I wasn't loved. Therefore, because I didn't have this. And all of a sudden, they come out of the womb, they come out, and it's like they're a different personality. When we get close to Christ, it is a brand new Lifestyle change it is a brand new approach to life. It's a brand new therefore over our life. I could care less what happened to me. I could care less that eight years old I was molested. I could care less. That would haunt me for years as a young man. I could absolutely care less. Christ has set me free from any negative thing that ever happened to me in my life. Period. I could care less. I don't walk around thinking, well, I'm angry. I could care less. It's over. It's in the past. Praise God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just one example. That's all. Me and John counsel people, and I can hear people talking. And I can hear they're talking negatively. They're talking out of fear. They're talking out of anger. They're talking out of resentment. And you listen. you got to listen. And you realize what they're talking about is some kind of therefore in their life. They were hurt. They were wounded. They were betrayed. And all of a sudden, that sets them on a course. A negative course to life. It steals hope. It steals joy. It steals peace. It steals power. People walk around angry, resentful, looking for a fight, having an axe to grind. They don't even realize it. Let's look at what Christ has done for us. Amen? Yes. When I'm called to love genuinely, I have to remember what Paul says in chapter 3, if you turn to chapter 3, verses 20, starting in verse 19. Remember this. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. That's religion. You want to be religious? That's going to be a downfall. Keep going, 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law of Moses. Although the law of Moses and the prophets bear witness to it, keep going. The 
The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, Jew or Gentile. For all human beings, go back, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's me and you. That was me and you at one time in our life. Keep going. And are justified. How many people were singing today and enjoying God? That's because you're justified. That's why you were singing and enjoying God today. Listen. And why? Because it's grace as a gift. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's a new therefore in your life. You see, that therefore is bigger than anything that's ever happened to me in my life. That swallows up every negative experience I've ever had in my life. The only thing I'm concerned with is that now I have peace with God. Period. Let's go on to chapter 4. These are the mercies of God. 7 and 8. This is the state we live in now. This is the greatest blessing of all blessings. It supersedes any materialistic blessing you and I can ever have from God. The most important blessing are blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. The greatest blessing that's in this room today is that God holds not our sins against us. That is the biggest, don't ever forget about it, while you're working through life, and life is hard, and life is challenging, remember this, the greatest blessing has been given to us by the sacrifice of Christ. That has to compete with every negative thought I have. Every negative thought, every time I'm going through a hard time, I know, yeah, but I'm a blessed man. I'm blessed, I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I guess what, when I die, I'm going to heaven, period. Nothing to separate me from God. What does that mean? We'll go to chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You didn't know before you became a Christian that we were enemies of God. We have peace with God, not because I'm an extra good guy, not because I go to church, not because I'm generous, not because I have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us. Amen? Amen. That's it. That's it. I have peace with God. The vertical relationship can never be severed ever again. Even in my worst days of life as a Christian, nothing can sever me from having peace with God the Father. Ever. For all eternity. But let's have a demonstration. Who can say this in Romans chapter 5? For while we were still weak, at the right time, you know what that means in the Greek? In the nick of time. Christ died for us, the ungodly. Listen to the reason. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, maybe somebody would dare to die. But listen. But God shows his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from him, by him from the wrath of God. Let me explain something to you. At the end of life, mankind has to stand before a righteous judge, divine creator, and give an account of their life. Understand something. That's not good. You you don't want that. You and I who are saved by Christ has removed any fear of ever standing before God. If I could tell you how many times John and myself and others are witnessing somebody in their 80s and in their 90s who've been in religion all their life, but they're petrified. 
of what's next. Petrified. Fear grips the dying man. Fear grips the person who's coming to the last chapter, the last verse, the last sentence of their life. Fear grips them. Because they're not right with God. As you grow as a Christian, you will understand what I said much more. The older you get, you'll appreciate what Christ has done for us. He demonstrated his love. Listen to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Listen to Paul. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Or do all this good news about this, all this forgiveness, and all I got to do is believe? Maybe I'll just continue to sin. How's that sound? Sounds like a nice party, right? Roll out the keg. We'll have a keg party here. We'll invite put the whole neighborhood in. What shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? The reasoning is by no means. How can we who die to sin spiritually? How can we still live in it? Listen to the reasoning. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order, listen, in order, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. What is this newness of life? He tells us, for if we have been united with him in his death, we shall be certainly united with him in his resurrection like his. Keep going. For we know, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Here it is. Verse 7. For the one who has died, that means those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, have been set free from sin. What does that mean to us? You and I are free not to sin. We're free not to do it. We're empowered now not to sin anymore. We're empowered not to offend God anymore. We're empowered to please God forever. When temptation comes, i got a Savior right there who's willing and ready and able to deliver us and to help us in times of any trouble. No one else can say that. These are the mercies of God. Listen. Listen to Romans chapter 8. Has anybody failed today? Did anybody fail last night? Does anybody have a heavy conscience because, you know, maybe your lifestyle wasn't up to par yet? Listen to what he says. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We might walk in there a little feeling condemned, but by the time the music, by the time the third song, you just rapture up and say, God, thank you for mercy. Thank you for forgiveness. I want to live for you, God. Forgive my failures. Forgive my weaknesses. Forgive my rebellion, Father God. Let me live for you. I desire to be a living sacrifice, God. No condemnation. It gets better. Listen to Romans chapter 8. Anybody going through a difficult time? Is there anybody in this room going through a difficult time? Well, let's see what Paul says here in Romans chapter 8. Let's go to verse 28, please. And we know that for those who love God, anybody love God? Okay. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You and I have the ability now, the blessing of God, no matter how difficult life is, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, as a pastor, I can tell you, if you're a child of God, everything will work out for your good. Everything. Nice promise to have, isn't it? Yeah. 
It's not bad waking up to that every morning, is it? It goes, it gets better. Listen to, listen to Paul carry on here in 31. What then shall we say against all these promises? If God is for you and me, then who can possibly be against us? Listen to his reasoning. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things we need for life? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. So when people are saying, listen... I know what you did when you were 18. I know what you did when you were 16. I know what you were doing when you were 18. I remember you, Brian. I remember what you did. You can't accuse me. Jesus has forgiven me. I'm a forgiven man. Satan himself can point the finger of accusation against me. And guess what? You ever, get a, you ever feel like Satan's attacking you and throwing guilt at you? You simply say, you think so, Satan? Guess what else he forgave me of? He forgave me this when I was 12. He forgave me this when I was 13. He forgave me this when I was 14. He forgave me this when I was 18. He forgave this, he forgave this, and guess what? He's still forgiven me. No one can bring a charge against God's people. It gets better. As it is written, oh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You going through a difficult time today? Did you feel the love of Christ? Difficult times can't separate you from the love of Christ. So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. He goes on to say as it is written. For your sake as living sacrifices we are being killed all day long. People don't like Christianity. They don't like the Bible. They don't like the name of Jesus. They attack us. They persecute us. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered to go on. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Though through him who loved us. Keep going. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. These are the mercies of God. These are the mercies of God. Don't miss this. Stay with me. Stay with Paul. Don't stay with me. Stay with the text. Stay with the Bible. Listen to Paul. To the non-believer, they're just mere words. But to the believer, it's living water. To the believer, it's the children's inheritance. To the believer, it's the bread of life. This is what gives us joy. This puts a glow in our heart. And now, because of these, listen, because of everything God has did, did you see what God has done for you in 11 chapters? And now he asks us by these mercies to be a living sacrifice. Let's go to chapter, let's go to chapter 12, verse 3, and I'll close up. Get ready, hold your seat on. <clears throat> in light of everything that Christ has done for us, Verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself. You know what the number one offender of being a living sacrifice? Pride. Get yourself off your mind. Remember what Christ has done for you. What Christ has done for us in those 11 chapters crushes our human pride. There's no room for thinking we're better than anybody else at all. 
Do you know why we have trouble not forgiving people? Do you know why we love to hang on to resentments? Do you know why we love to stay angry? Do you know why we think too highly of ourselves? Let me give you the mind of a counselor. When we counsel. When people are talking about old resentments and all these things and they can't get over these things, I go back to a section of Romans and say, what are you missing? What don't you understand? Why are you thinking too highly of yourself? Could it be personal pride? I want this. I want this. I want my rights to be heard. That kind of attitude, we will stay miserable and will never be a living sacrifice. It gets better. In the body of Christ, there are many members in verse 4, and the members have the same function. If you are gifted, if you have the gift of teaching, if you have the gift of preaching, if you have the gift of pastoring, if you have the gift of counseling, you have the gift of singing, you have the gift of hospitality, if you have money and have the gift of generosity, we can never use that against somebody. Those are gifts that God has given us. And we serve God with those gifts. And when the applause come, oh, thank, thank God, don't thank me. It's all the Lord. It's all the Lord's work. We take no, how can I say? We take no credit whatsoever for anything God has given us. For the last 10 years, we tirelessly work here every weekend. My weekend, it's John's weekend. It's not ours. It belongs to God. Praise God. I am willing and happy to serve the community of Bay Ridge in this church the rest of my life until I go home, until I die. You know why? Because he deserves it. Amen? And prayerfully, you feel the same way. How about verse 9? Anybody having uh, trouble letting love be genuine? Did God demonstrate his love for you in chapter six, chapter 5? While we were yet sinners, what did Christ do for us? Died. And Paul says he demonstrated his love when? At the right time. At the right time. Are you waiting for someone to deserve love? Your living sacrifice? Are you waiting for them to come to you and say, well, you know something, I want you, you know, I'm so sorry, you're so great. Oh, now I'll shower you with my love and affection. No, 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 no. You do it now. You win them to God. You show them love. Let love be genuine. Don't speak out two sides of your mouth. Don't be saying so when you love them and you're a friend, and then when you're at the dinner with the other friends, you're talking about the other friends. That's not genuine love. That's what people do, isn't it true? I don't know. If you know something about someone, you keep it to yourself. Let love be genuine. Don't speak at both sides of our mouth. Keep it to yourself. Pray for people. Love people. He goes on to say, as a living sacrifice, we are but one is evil. What does that mean? If someone's living in rebellion and open sin against God, guess what? I'm not going to sit there and applaud you. The whole world wants us to applaud gay rights. Well, that's okay. Under the Constitution, they have rights. Praise God. But I'm not going to celebrate 
gay marriage. Are you with me? I, I don't, I'll love you and I'll care for you. If you're hungry, I'll feed you. If you're in a burning car, I'll do everything I can to get you out of that car. If I gotta run into a house to save you, I'll run into a house to save you. But I am not gonna celebrate homosexual marriage. I won't, I arm what is evil. Are you with me? That's what Christians do. We hold fast to what is good. The word of God is what is good. And we hold fast to everything God says. Understand something. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Make it real when you care for someone. Let them know. Paul says to greet one another with a holy kiss. Affection is important. Look at someone in the eyes and say, I do care for you. I do love you. I want to help you. Look, be real. Let them see love and affection. Let them know their love, not just in word. How about outdo one another in showing honor? You know how you do this? You listen to people. Be good listeners. Don't be quick to share your own testimony. Don't be quick to say, listen to people. How to make someone feel special. He says here, outdo each other in showing honor. Make people feel special. It gets better. Do not be slothful in zeal. Listen, you're going to be a Christian, give it all to God. Give it all. Just like the way we train, just like the way you work, just like the way you make a living, give it all to God. Don't be hot and cold. If you're going to do it, give everything. That's what Paul is saying here. That's what a living sacrifice is. We serve the Lord. Living sacrifices in verse 12, guess what? We rejoice in hope. Do you know why we rejoice in hope? Because life right now ain't always good. But I know it's going to get really good one day. One day is going to be really good in this life or the next life. When we close our eyes for the last time, guess what? We win. Rejoice in hope. Stop being so pessimistic. Stop being a Debbie Downer. Oh, I don't know. Oh, maybe. Oh, I think God loves me. I don't know. Rejoice in hope. Hope is real. It's a great intangible. It has, it has life all its own. It speaks for itself. Hope is a wonderful thing. But hope only comes by being close to God, the God of all hope. A young Christian, someone new coming to the faith will have a hard time with that. But when a Christian's 20 years and all, I don't know, I don't know if God's for me, I don't know, and I don't know. Then sooner or later, he has to stop. Please, read the Bible. How about be patient in tribulation? Don't we just want things to change real fast? Don't we just want the hard times just to come and go real quick? Then you know that's a time for you to shine like a living sacrifice to God. To go through a hard time, and guess what? Nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it. Sometimes we like to walk around with the bullhorn. Brian Martin going through a difficult time, tribulation. Dial me, but I'll tell you everything, all my problems. You just go through the tribulation with hope and just praise God. How's life? It stinks. I'm sick. The doctor tells me I'm dying. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What am I going to do? 
How about 13? You want to be a living sacrifice? Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. What about generosity? How about generosity with your home? How about generosity with your money? How about generosity with your time? How about generosity with your emotions? How about just saying, God, who can I be a blessing to today? What's wrong with that? That's a novel idea for a living sacrifice, right? God looks down. He sees someone going from A to B. Nobody knows about it. And the person from A is going to B to help them. Showing hospitality. Showing generosity. But no one else sees it. There's only one audience we live for, and that's God. That's it. The only thing we care about as Christians is what pleases God. He doesn't say show hospitality. Seek it. Go out of your way to make another Christian, to make someone comfortable in their life who's going through a challenging time. That's a living sacrifice. Are you ready? It gets worse. It gets better. It gets hard. Bless those who persecute you. That's nice, right? You having a hard time with that? You having a difficult time with that? Go back to the manual. Romans chapter 1 to 11. That's the manual. And see what Christ has done for you. And find strength. How about this one? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Do you have the living sacrifice fortitude of hanging around people that are going through a very difficult time in life and be a source of comfort to them? Or how about when someone has success? Are you envious? Or are you admirable? Praise God, man. That's great, brother. That's great, sister. I'm glad you're really being blessed. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely... From the bottom of my heart, I'm happy for what God is doing in your life. How about that? That's a living sacrifice. That's what God is looking for. How about verse 16? How about a little harmony between one another? A living sacrifice seeks to have good and proper relationships with everybody at all times. This is my favorite. I've taught on it many times over 25 years. Do not be haughty. He gives us an example. But associate with the lowly. Associate with the nobodies. Associate with the people that people don't even know their name. Go to the person that has nobody at all. Go to the social outcast. Go to the hobo, go to the bum, go to the drug, go to the lowly, those who Christ loves. Go to them and hang out with them. Don't seek out those who can bless you back. You know what Jesus said about that? Sinners can do that. Sinners lend to those who lend back, and sinners invite those who invite back. I'll tell you who to go to. Go to the highways and the byways. Go to the lame, go to the blind, go to the beggar, and invite them into the kingdom of God. Who are your friends? How many lowly people are you associating with? How many broken lives are you trying to build up? That's what Paul is saying. 
You want to be a living sacrifice, this is the way to do it. And I love the way he finishes here. <coughs> Never be wise in your own sight. We really do got to get our minds off ourselves. This is about people. It's all about people. I can go on and go on and go on. I'll go real fast. We pay no one for evil for evil. I'm a living sacrifice. I gotta remember what Christ has done for me. I'm not out to get even. I'm not out to be vengeful. As a matter of fact, he says here, leave vengeance for the Lord. It's not mine to do anymore. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I gotta try to outdo everything the evil man throws at you. Everything the evil man throws at me. I gotta outdo that. I can't be moved by it. I can't be affected by it. I can't get emotional about it. I have to continue the course of being good to all people. Even when Judas came to Jesus Christ and gave him a kiss, Jesus, fully aware that he was going to be betrayed by this man, he loved him to the end. Do you know why? We don't get to pick and choose. Love is not a switch. If I allow someone who betrayed me, if I allow someone who hurt me to get all this air time and to take all this energy, all of a sudden it starts to affect all my other relationships. Don't let that happen. Be a living sacrifice. And the way we do that is by the mercies of God. Find yourself. Where do you find yourself today? Where are you struggling with today? Is it the forgiveness? Is it thinking too highly of ourselves? What part about the mercies of God do you still not understand? Father, we thank you. A living sacrifice is what you desire, God. Not church attendance. Not just waking up and looking at our Bible. But living it out, Father. Because of your great mercies which you bestowed upon us. In this new world view, God, of how to live. As we renew our minds with your world view. And what life is all about, Father God. That you start to transform us. And it's in this way, God that we can approve what is your perfect, good, and acceptable will. In Jesus' name.